Isaiah chapter 47. Come down and sit in the dust, O virgin daughter of Babylon. Sit on the ground without a throne, O daughter of the Chaldeans. For you shall no more be called tender and delicate. Take the millstones and grind flour. Put off your veil. Strip off your robe. Uncover your legs. Pass through the rivers. Your nakedness shall be uncovered and your disgrace shall be seen. I will take vengeance and I will spare no one. Our Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, is his name, is the Holy One of Israel. Sit in silence and go into darkness, O daughter of the Chaldeans, for you shall no more be called the mistress of kingdoms. I was angry with my people. I profaned my heritage. I gave them into your hand. You showed them no mercy. On the aged, you made the yoke exceedingly heavy. You said, I shall be mistress forever, so that you did not lay these things to heart or remember their end. Now, therefore, hear this, you lovers of pleasure, who sit securely, who say in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. I shall not sit as a widow or know the loss of children. These two things shall come to you in a moment, in one day. The loss of children and widowhood shall come upon you in full measure in spite of your many sorceries and the great power of your enchantments. You felt secure in your wickedness. You said, no one sees me. Your wisdom and your knowledge led you astray. And you said in your heart, I am, and there is no one besides me. But evil shall come upon you, which you will not know how to charm away. Disaster shall fall upon you, for which you shall not be able to atone. And ruins shall come upon you suddenly, of which you know nothing. Stand fast in your enchantments and your many sorceries with which you have labored from your youth. Perhaps you may be able to succeed. Perhaps you may inspire terror. <clears throat> you are wearied with your many counsels. Let them stand forth and save you. Those who divide the heavens, who gaze at the stars, who at the new moons make known what shall come upon you, behold, they are all like stubble. The fire consumes them. They cannot deliver themselves from the power of the flame. No coal for warming oneself is this. No fire to sit before. Such to you are those with whom you have labored, who have done business with you from your youth. They wander about, each in his own direction. There is no one to save you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, a warm, cheery passage on the humiliation of Babylon today, Thomas. Well, this Babylon's going down, brother. That's what. Uh, that's a big part of what this is. So on one hand, it might be hopeful if mm -hmm. you're an Israelite. Mm -hmm. You hear this prophecy, and that's hopeful that this oppression, this won't last forever. Mm-hmm. Um, not super hopeful if you're a Babylonian. Not, uh, it's a little grim. In the words of Johnny Cash, God's going to cut you down. So we have this passage that is really full of judgment. And, um, you know, there, there's so much to dig into about the beauty of God's wrath and how uh, it is so, so good to trust in a God who hates evil and who hates injustice. And, um, so that is a big theme and a big thing to press into and take away. 
And another big theme is how God's judgment is meant to bring us to repentance, which yields salvation free from regret, as Paul would say. And so this exact same language, you know, the virgin daughter of Babylon thing is interesting because that really parallels another uh, sort of metaphorical woman character that God will refer to, which is the virgin daughter of Jerusalem. Um, and mm-hmm. so these words that God has given to Babylon are, are in some ways very similar and parallel to the judgment promise to God's own people. And um, we see here that the wise men of the Chaldeans, the the enchanters, the sorcerers um, who study the stars and everything, uh, that you know, those are actually the men that Daniel is going to be colleagues with who are unable to answer any of the questions for Nebuchadnezzar that Daniel takes on. That's right. And so God speaks specifically towards that. Mm-hmm. And this is all very fascinating because all of this is pre-Babylonian conquest. So um, a lot of mind-bending prophecy happening here. But Thomas, what, what do you make of this passage? I like... Uh... I like one of the thoughts that Matthew Henry has on this this passage. Level um, Matthew Henry, just such a good job of just concise overall views of of the Bible um, from a very orthodox standpoint. But um, <clears throat> he says something interesting. He says of this, I'm just going to paraphrase him, but he says of this and chapters like this, moments like this, God shows His vengeance on different people who are hardened to Him. Mm. Um, and that's going to happen. Mm-hmm. It, it has happened. It is happening. It will happen. The Lord punishes the hardened hearts. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so if that person who does not repent, who is dealt with by the Lord, is also someone who has offended you, right? Mm-hmm. Like then all of a sudden, it's really easy for me to get kind of pumped. Mm that they're going to get what they deserve. Yeah. That's not written in here anywhere. Hmm. And I think that's really important. And Henry points that out in his commentary. Like it's very important for Christians. It's, it was important for these Jewish people to remember because the Lord enacts vengeance is not permission for me to do so. Mm-hmm. Uh, and elsewhere in the old Testament, there's this verse in Proverbs chapter 24. It says, do not rejoice or gloat when your enemy falls. Do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles, or the Lord will see your gloating and be displeased and turn his anger away from your enemy. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting like undercurrent that's happening here. Yeah, yeah. It's very easy to see, okay, there's been evil in the world, and I want God to punish that evil. Mm-hmm. And he will. Totally. We don't have to worry about that. He will. But if I gloat when that person who wronged me gets punished or caught or destroyed, I actually am taking the place of the Lord. Mm. I'm like pretending I'm the Avenger. Absolutely. And my heart should always break for someone else's heart who's unrepentant. Mm -hmm. Even if they've offended me greatly, my hope is is not that they'll get punished. My hope is, yeah, we, we all want to do justice. That's great. But my hope should ultimately be, man, if in this case, if Babylon had just known the Lord, mm. if the Babylonians had just known the Lord, man, 
what an incredible friendship we could have had. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like, and so I just think that's a very interesting like undercurrent going on here. And it's a good reminder. I think it's a very practical reminder for all of us that the Lord will avenge. Mm-hmm. And just read the end of Romans 12. It speaks about this very clearly. But it's my job to overcome evil with good. It's my job to, when my enemy is hungry, to feed him. Mm-hmm. When my enemy is thirsty, to give him something to drink. And it may not say that outright in this passage, but it certainly does not give any room for the people of Israel to rejoice and to gloat over their enemies. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, and what we keep seeing in Isaiah is that the judgment of God, you know, Romans, Paul says that God's kindness is meant to lead us to repentance. Yeah. And uh, I would say Isaiah is kind of also pushing an opposite case, which is that God's judgment, which really is harmonious because it's a form of kindness for this reason, but his judgment, his discipline is also meant to lead to repentance. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the first uh, many, many, many chapters of Isaiah is judgment on all these nations. And then here in 40 through 55, we're seeing this interesting interplay where God is punishing nations and then also inviting all the earth into fellowship with him. And yeah. so I think that that is so important. And I think one of the big practical warnings also for us here in Isaiah 47 is he speaks specifically towards basically the philosophers, the wise men of the Chaldeans, the Babylon Babylonians. Yeah. Um, and kind of predicts this like lofty wisdom thing that they're going to trumpet around with. That's going to amount to nothing. Mm-hmm. And I would say like for us, as people who are constantly secularizing and desecularizing, like that's what we as Christians in the 21st century are. I would say like we are constantly viewing God as like a less foundational agent in the world. And then it, through prayer, through time with him, through church, like we are re, you know, desecularizing ourselves. That's right. We are re-desecularizing. That's a lot of prefixes there. So, uh, but I think one of the things that we can take away as people who are living in that tension point is that we should be really, really, uh, and I've talked about this, but we should be really skeptical of these like novel ideas and novel philosophies. And I think that if, you know, there was a letter in the Bible of prophecy towards, you know, the Americans and, or towards just those of us in the West, it would be very similar in that, you know, a new idea, a new idol, a new like thing springs up out of the ground and we immediately like elevate it to this inestimable like level of, you know, you can't critique this, you can't challenge Mm -hmm. this. This is like, this is the brass tacks. Like this is like the core of everything. And all of that wisdom, I mean, we continue to see, like, if you just look back over the past several hundred years of human history, it's like new ideas arise and they crumble and truth remains truth. That's right. And so I would say, like, that is kind of the call to us as people living in Babylon, you know, to harken back to our life in Babylon series, as people living in Babylon, like, we should engage, but we should be like Daniel who 
he he was among the wise men of the Chaldeans. He was actually one of them, you know, like he he had the same W two as the rest of them, and yet he uh, he walked in truth and he sought God and right. not the counsel of Babylon. I I think that is uh, that's so good and maybe a, a an interesting verse for us to extrapolate from this and uh, um, to. To just kind of examine which is a it's a a verse of curse and warning on these people but it could be the same for us verse 13 says you are wearied with your many counsels let them stand forth and save you those who divide the heavens who gaze at the stars who at the new moons make known what shall come upon you i think to complement what you're saying is it's easy for us to find another source of truth, another source of guidance, because following the Lord goes in and out of fashion. Mm. And it's easy in those moments. We may not be like, oh, let me read my horoscope every day. I mean, some people might, and that 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 you should read this verse and look at that exactly mm. and not do that um, to look for your wisdom and guidance. But we look for like, what is popular culture? What is popular politi- politics? What is the the vibe in my neighborhood or my city or whatever, my friend group. And we oftentimes look to those things as they look to the stars mm-hmm. for guidance. Mm-hmm. And we are like a ship without a rudder at that point. Mm-hmm. And we're just blown and tossed everywhere. And we need to say, what is the truth that stands the test of time? The love of the Lord, Jesus Christ. Mm. Um, he, he stands the test of time. The word of God stands the test of time. Let let me let me cling fast to the anchor of my soul, mm-hmm. and let me be anchored. Let's mm-hmm. not sever that chain. Absolutely. You know, uh, one thing that's interesting as we kind of land the plane is the this is all research that I'm doing like on the spot right now. So I'll probably go dig into this further as all of us should. But Babylon falls to the Persians, That's right. uh, which Isaiah has predicted and we will actually see happen in the course of scripture. Mm-hmm. And there there are these descendants of the Babylonian empire who've hung around uh, the modern day Assyrians who are still around and kicking. And what's really interesting is that it's a predominantly Christian people group um, yeah. that and I don't really know much about the Assyrian church other than that, that I'm looking at it right now. And that basically the remnant of Babylon today, like this kingdom that is humiliated eventually is a people group that is primed and ready to receive the gospel. Hmm. And that they're actually one of the first people groups in the apostolic age to receive the good news. And, uh, that's awesome. Start sending missionaries to China and Japan. So, uh, you know, the Lord does work salvation through this judgment. That's right. Which is what's amazing. That's right. So, and, and that's what he does when, and so even, even with us, mm-hmm. if he convicts, if he calls us out, if we realize we're far from him, it is not to condemn. I mean, well, apart from Christ, we're already condemned anyway. Yeah. It is to convict so that we might know him, follow him, and walk in his righteousness. Mm-hmm. 
and enjoy the the peace of Christ that transcends all understanding. Absolutely. Absolutely. Amen. Well, a great word today. Um, grateful to be going through it with my man, Tommy. Come on, baby. Come on. And uh, for the rest of you, we will see you tomorrow on Our Daily Rhythm. Thanks for listening to Our Daily Rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ's Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.